الجزيرة بودكاست Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva will become Brazil's president once again on January 1st, more than a decade since he last held the office. They tried to bury me alive, and I'm here. But not everyone is happy after what was a fiercely contested election. God, do not forsake this country, oh Lord. Brazil has become a highly polarized country. Right-wing President Jair Bolsonaro lost despite getting more than 49% of the vote. And so for Lula, the challenge will be to lead a country divided by two political views over controversial policies implemented by Bolsonaro. Today we're looking at one of those issues, guns. Guns fired in broad daylight and in the middle of the night bullets flying over slums. Everyday violence in Rio de Janeiro. In the past four years, the number of privately owned guns in Brazil has more than doubled to nearly two million, a worrying rise for a country that sees over 40,000 homicides a year. So what can Lula do to stop it? I'm Hala Mahiadine, and this is The Take. To understand just how much guns have proliferated and become part of Brazilian society under Bolsonaro, I'm talking to someone who's been looking at it pretty closely. My name is Azadeh Peshman. I'm a journalist currently based in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, and at the radio station Rádio CBN with a fellowship that allows me to report from Brazil and about the elections. Right. Okay. And we're talking today about guns in Brazil and the Brazilian election. What got you interested in this story in the first place? So in 2019, I was in Rio de Janeiro and reporting uh, from Brazil and Bolsonaro just started his term. He already said in every possible way in his election campaign that he will change the gun laws. And that's what he also did. And since Brazil is already a country where you have a lot of gun violence. This whole topic caught my attention. Just talk us through what Bolsonaro has done in terms of making guns easier for people to get since he came into office. I mean, I know that he's issued decrees on this issue since 2019, but some of his efforts were suspended by the judiciary. So what exactly has he been able to get done and how has this changed the number of guns that are out on Brazil streets. Bolsonaro said that he wants to make the access for the so-called good citizen, cidadão de bem, as he calls them, he wants to make it easier for them so that basically every good citizen in Brazil can have guns. What I can say with satisfaction is that I signed this decree made for a lot of good citizens, for the good citizens to have peace inside their homes. And it is definitely easier to buy guns if you compare the situation to 2018, especially if you look at quantity and the munition. These are the two parts where actually he has made a lot of changes. 
Those changes were particularly jarring for Brazilians who had long worked on reducing gun violence in the country. Melina Riso is one of them. I'm the research director at the Garapé Institute, that is a think-and-do tank based in Rio de Janeiro. But I've been working with public security and citizen security issues for the past 20 years. And that two-decade period of working on these issues is particularly significant. Because, as Melina points out, Bolsonaro has spent the past four years trying to dismantle a gun control law that came into effect during Lula's first term as president in 2003. In Brazil, gun possession is a concession by the state and it's regulated by a law that was approved in 2003. And this law is a really strict law that gives all the details who can have the gun, who can access guns, what kind of guns, all the control measures that we have to set in the country. So this is where we were before Bolsonaro's election. And one of his first measures in 2019 was to change certain conditions of this law. And since then, he has done more than 30 changes in legislations and norms around gun possession and the kind of guns. He reduced all the criteria under where some uh, people can purchase a gun. So all the criteria were weakening and loosened. And the other thing is the amount of guns that some categories can own in Brazil. What Molina is referring to are what's known as CACs, or CACs, a category of gun owners in Brazil that stands for Colecionador, Atirador e Caçador, that we could translate to hunters, shooters and collectors. And it's this category that has seen a huge increase in gun ownership under Bolsonaro. Before, we have lots of people having guns in their own, but the kind of guns they had access to was just handguns and ammunition as well. We just changed this. So most of the guns now are in the hands of the cactus, a special category that has access to different kinds of guns, and the amount of guns they can access is much higher Melina says that in 2018, a shooter could buy 16 guns. Now, that number is 60. And the type of guns they can get has changed too. Before, they could have pistols, but now they can even access rifles that it was forbidden before. Bolsonaro's moves have also made the cost of guns go way down. What we are seeing at this moment, it's much more people using this flexible legislation to buy guns legally, but then traffic this to criminality. Before you have to buy this illegally, and to buy this illegally, it costs much more. So if you can comply with all the norms that they put, and then buy this legally because we don't have all the checks and all the controls taking place, it's much more cheaper to buy a gun than it was before in the illegal market. The growth of gun ownerships among CACs is something Azadeh has been paying attention to as well. 
I think the biggest change that we have right now is that you have more than a million guns in the hands of cacks. That means hunters, shooters, and collectors. Before Bolsonaro was in power, that number was way lower. It was about 300,000. Gosh. Why is he doing this? Why is this such a key policy for Bolsonaro? I think it really fits into his whole agenda of, you know, Deus Familia Patria, which means God, family, homeland. And with this trinity, he is also seeing a connection with guns. The people who are supporting the gun lobby also in Brazil are mainly evangelical Christians. That's a huge group here in Brazil and also a huge group of the people who vote for Bolsonaro. And he already, with his election campaign in 2018, used the whole discourse uh, around arms. He's still saying that only enslaved people do not own arms, basically. I want everyone armed. Armed people will never be enslaved. After the break, how guns have become a huge part of Brazilian society and what a Lula da Silva presidency can do to rein them in. Hey guys, Sami Zaydan here from Essential Middle East Podcast. You don't want to miss our next show. It's really fascinating. We're going to be talking about the trade in illicit artifacts. I'll be talking to the Dean of Academic Affairs at Georgetown. She's also UNESCO's Chief Advisor for Heritage Management and Sustainable Development. Check it out. The growth of guns in Brazil under Jair Bolsonaro go far beyond numbers and laws. It's become a cultural phenomenon as well. The president's trademark symbol has become him shooting a fake pistol into the air. As Adi told us, this is something that's caught on across his movement. That's probably the most used image by Jair Bolsonaro, him, you know, just putting gun fingers in the air. And not only him, it's also, of course, his allies. If you look at the pictures when he signed the decrees to change the gun laws, you see him smiling and his allies around him also putting gun fingers in the air. So it's also something that other politicians have adopted from him, basically. Perhaps the biggest sign of the rise of guns in Bolsonaro's Brazil has been the growth of gun clubs, social organizations where people go to practice shooting. Business has never been better at the Colt 45 Shooting Academy in Rio de Janeiro. It's a phenomenon Azade has been monitoring closely. There's a huge number of gun clubs right now. If you look at the numbers, not only the people who buy guns, not only this number has increased, but also the number of gun clubs. And there are a lot of gun clubs emerging all over Brazil right now. And in that framework, you're allowed to use guns. And he is basically trying to promote shooting as a sport. And um, that's also what has worked quite well in the past four years, I would say. Talk to us about these gun clubs then, because I'm in the UK. This is a concept that I'm not entirely familiar with. I know in America they have shooting ranges. What's a Brazilian gun club? Is it like a social club or is it like a school for learning how to shoot weapons or what is it? It's actually both. So it is a social club. They always have an area for kids. You can have lunch there. There's usually a restaurant. But then you have also, you can just learn how to shoot, basically. 
They offer a lot of courses on that. You can learn with an instructor that teaches you how to shoot, basically. I went to one gun club that was called uh, Tauba, Texas. Texas, like the state in the U.S. And Taubaté is the city where the gun club was. And the image that was presented to me is that a gun club is for the whole family, that people not just come there to learn how to shoot, but also to just spend some time there with the family, to have lunch there. And it was presented to me like that. Although when I was there, I didn't see people who were just went there to have some lunch. I only saw people who were actually shooting. So you didn't meet any Lula supporters in this gun club? Definitely not. And I think Brazil is a very polarized country right now. And I haven't experienced so much in between. You're either pro-Lula or pro-Bolsonaro. And if you're pro-Lula, of course, there's always the possibility that you vote for Lula da Silva and you would like to buy a gun and I would say that the probability that this exists is very, very low. For Melina, as a Brazilian, the way gun culture has grown is deeply unsettling. It's really scary because although when we look at Brazilian society, we are really violent society because we have really high uh, rates of homicides and guns plays a really important part. It wasn't in the main culture domain. It was restricted to some groups and some kinds of violence. So it's not everywhere. But nowadays, it's like everyone is talking about guns. Melina believes many elements of the gun movement in Brazil have been imported from the United States, but remains confident that most Brazilians don't buy into it. So what we see in the pro-gun movement is they're bringing their discourse from the United States, this discourse about rights, about liberty, about the things to use your own hands to protect yourself. And we have a really different society where in Brazil, people doesn't have the right to carry gun. This is not in our constitution at all. This is a concession by the state and it has to be really well regulated. All the polls that see the public opinion and how people feel in Brazil about the guns, what we see is more than 70% of the population is against Bolsonaro's measures. So he's really doing this for this small group of people that just love guns, but it's not in the will of the majority of the population. That's something that may have just been vindicated even if only slightly, by the election results. But Azadi points out that Lula may still have an uphill battle due to Bolsonaro's allies entering the Congress. Lula is definitely against guns. That's also his discourse, that he prefers books over guns. It would be definitely in his interest and also match his whole political agenda if he would try to take back everything that Bolsonaro did. But now the problem is that you have also a Congress and you have a huge group of the pro-gun lobby in that Congress. So everything that Lula does to take back what Bolsonaro did in terms of changing the laws and making it easier for people to access arms is probably not possible just because of the majority in the Congress. 
But Melina says there are still things Lula can do. What Lula can do is to change everything and to put in place what we had before. So this is like just signing decree and just to revoke all these decrees. So this is a really quick measure that he can take and put everything back together. And the other thing, it's really working in the Congress so we can guarantee we don't dismantle the legislation of gun control and investment more in the controllings because we have some discretion that the president can do to improve the control, to facilitate the access in the databases and also to enforce the mark of ammunition, for example, so we can put in place all the controls that is needed so the guns don't go to the wrong hands. In the meantime, though, the scars of a bitterly polarised election may take some time to heal. The campaign period was marked by over 200 cases of politically motivated violence this year. Many involved guns and at least 43 were alleged homicides. During the election campaign, there have been a lot of attacks, especially on people who are supporting Lula. So, you know, people on the street supporting the election, handing out flyers to everyone who's passing by, for example. Scuffles breaking out between rival camps. Some were armed. There was one pregnant woman who did this and who got attacked by uh, Bolsonaro supporters. So these kind of scenarios, they just happened repeatedly during the whole election campaign. There were also cases where people were shot. There was one case in Fosji Guasu where one supporter of the PT, which is Lula's Workers' Party, was just celebrating his, his birthday. Marcelo Ahuda, a member of the left-wing Workers' Party, celebrating his 50th birthday with a politically-themed party. But things quickly turned into a tragedy when a supporter of far-right President Jair Bolsonaro broke into the party. A Bolsonaro supporter shot him. So these are cases that happened during this election campaign. And I'm very sure that they did not happen in, in election campaigns before. And there are concerns that more violence may be on the way. Bolsonaro spent much of the campaign saying fraud might affect the election, casting doubt over the results. We want clean, auditable elections and a public counting of votes. I cannot participate in a farce like this, sponsored by the president of the Electoral High Court. If that sounds familiar to you, it might be worth remembering Bolsonaro is a close ally of former US President Donald Trump. With two months to go before Lula actually takes office, some are worried that Bolsonaro and his supporters will make an attempt to stop that happening. Though Bolsonaro said on Tuesday that he will follow the Constitution, his supporters blocked highways this week across 23 of Brazil's 26 states and had to be dispersed by police with tear gas. People are definitely worried, and I think it is also definitely possible that some people would take up their guns and uh, will not accept the results. If you have a president who tells you that not being armed means that you are enslaved and only enslaved societies do not use arms, of course, this is actually fueling a discourse and also leading to actions. 
Bolsonaro's president is using Trump's playbook. For Melina, the similarities with the former U.S. president are obvious. So since the beginning, trying to set some doubts about the election process, we've been seeing this for the past two years and even more, so we know exactly the playbook that he wants to play. But despite her concerns, Melina doesn't think there will be an insurrection in Brazil. We are really worried about what is going to happen, but in a different way, because in Brazil, the Congress doesn't have to approve the electoral system. There is a lot of institutions, there is a lot of observation from different countries. So in our system, I think they could try to challenge the results, but I think we are going to see the president-elect taking place in 1st of January. That's The Take. This episode was produced by Ashish Malhotra with Chloe K. Lee, Nagin Oliai, Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke and me, Halamahia Dean. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Elmalek and Adam Abugad are The Take's engagement producers and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Friday. <laughs>